Sports is a booming industry, and at the center of all of it, you'll find athletic directors, general managers, and front office staffs. This is Decision Makers, a market-scale podcast series where we talk to these leaders to learn what drives them, how they make hard decisions, and where the future of sports is headed. Welcome to Decision Makers. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. My guest today was named as the 8th Athletic Director in TCU's history on December 11th, 2017. He arrived at TCU back in 2011, and he served in a number of capacities before being named Athletic Director. His name is Jeremiah Donati, and he joins me next. I've heard you have a, uh, a fun nickname that people call you. That uh, you're, just, you're not known as Jeremiah, you're known as? Uh, well, ADJD. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of funny because that uh, a student gave me that and it just stuck. Um, I got to go back and figure out who that was. But, you know, I kind of, I'm kind of shy about it, but I've just, I've been encouraged just to, hey, just bring it on. Let's just, uh, let's just adopt it and have it be that. My, my monthly newsletter, it says li- uh, from the desk of ADJD, and so it's good. I, I like it. I love it. I love so. it. Uh, so you've been in the job now for a little over a year. Um, how do you assess your first year on the job, and, uh, and what do you take away from it so far? Well, it's, you know, there's, we, have a lot of, we have a lot of potential to, to win here. We have a lot of potential to be successful. We've, um, just like everything else, you, you, your first year through, and, and I've been fortunate I was here for seven years, mm-hmm. so I didn't have the learning curve that maybe others would because I knew the staff here, I knew the coaches, and especially uh, the coaches who had been here for a long period of time, I'd built up that relationship with. So um, all in all, I thought it was, uh, it was a really good year. We've made a lot of moves, especially behind the scenes, to, to make sure the old saying, you know, to have the right people on the bus, but also have the people in the right seats. Uh, so we made a lot of strategic moves. Uh, we created a digital brand strategy department, which has been huge. Uh, for all of our sports, so we made a lot of progress, but uh, we still got still got room for improvement for sure. Yeah, I want to talk about that digital brand strategy because that's been a big push of yours. What was behind that, and what do you feel like you've been gaining from it? Well, um, great question. We we found that our sports, um, when our SID and our communications team was was with them, they were constantly asking them for content and. Um, our marketing department had a small video component in the past, and we found that 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 kind of that fraction of the of the department wasn't able to serve all the sports, and so we separated that and, and bolstered that group to give them some autonomy. Because I really wanted, and Kyle sees the gentleman that runs that for me. I wanted him to be the quarterback there, so we wanted to put out more content, uh, more video, and more graphic design content, and uh, we were able to do that for our sports. But we've still got some room to grow, but. Um, that was where we made our biggest jump. Yeah, you were telling me before we started just that when you arrived in 2011, you made a presentation about the importance of social media. <laughs> and it seems funny now just because everyone's on it and it's everywhere. But um, things really have come a long way and there's always stuff to be pushed out on social media. So it's almost one of those cases where you can't over communicate with the, the people that are your fans and your alumni and your students. And, and now it's just such a given, you know, that you are. But like you said, Tyler, uh, I saw this presentation I gave and it was about the advantages of being on social media. And this was in 2011. I mean, this wasn't like 1980. <laughs> right, you know? right. So it's just amazing to see how far we've come. And it's, and it's continuing to evolve. And, and so we're, um, like everybody else, you've got to stay on the trends. 
Yeah, and speaking of just staying on the trends and, and moving forward, more and more people every year are streaming sports and are really looking towards online avenues and different ways of consuming. Uh, how do you see that going in the future, and what do you think is the future of TV deals, and will there be more streaming involved? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the trends would suggest that that's, uh, the streaming will continue. Um, I think you'll consumption, the media consumption, is going to come uh, more from smartphones and tablets and, I, and iPads, and that's... Uh, we see that we're already seeing that, but it's going to continue to move more and more in that direction. I mean, I think the big question is, are those the Netflix type players mm-hmm. who last year was the biggest purchaser of content, where are they going to get involved and and what that would look like? I think you'll see, um, and you can see this with the Big 12, is you'll see instead of the linear digital linear network, but going to a digital uh, structure, I think that's that's something you, that I would anticipate our conference moving in the direction of, because I just, I don't see the future of, linear um, networks being very successful or as successful. So, uh, the, you know, the million dollar question is what, what will the future hold? But you can see where the trends are, are going and, and it's, it's much more uh, this over the top programming. Everybody's, everybody's got their eyes on it. So it'll be to see, we've been talking about now for a couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see the first shoe to drop. Yeah, and with creating that uh, the video department and really focusing in on social media, do you feel like TCU is in a good spot to kind of take advantage of more and more people consuming content via phones, tablets, and that sort of thing? I do, I do, and, and we've taken strides there as well. Um, you know, we we broadcast um, a lot of our games in house, and and if if the conference were in a position to go to a to a digital network, we'd do more. Mm-hmm. So we've absolutely bolstered um, in that in that area, and we've seen improvements, but we've got. Uh, you, that's a place you've got to continue to reinvest in. Absolutely. Uh, you took over for a guy in Chris Del Conte that you'd known for a long time. Uh, would you have called him a, a mentor to you in your oh, career? Yeah, absolutely. Chris is, you know, he and I, we would fight like brothers. Um, <laughs> and it was funny, I actually, in, in, in one capacity, served as an attorney for him when I was in, a, in my previous life as a sports agent. Right. Uh, but Chris is absolutely a mentor. And, and we, we, we still talk very often. We'll talk next week at the Big 12 tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Chris, yeah, Chris has been a great uh, friend and mentor to me. What do you think you learned the most from just working under him and, and being around him and that sort of thing? Well, really, what the the uh, what it takes to be an AD, mm-hmm. and you know, he and I spent a lot of late nights on the road, you know, working, grinding out fundraising trips, um, and it really is a grind, and you've got to be ready for that. And I, and I was, but I think that seeing that up close. Um, and seeing, you know, what the effort he put into it, um, you know, was really helpful to me. And also he gave me some insights into areas that weren't my strong suit. You know, uh, I, I came up on the external side. I was, you know, considered an external guy. So mm-hmm. a lot of the things in-house, he gave me some insights there that, that were really important and helped me, gave me kind of a, a head start, if you will, on the job. So you took over an athletic program that had really grown a lot over the last 10, 15, 20 years before you really got here and you took things over. Um, what's the next step for TCU to achieve you know, your next goals? What are your next goals and what are those steps that you'd like to take? Well, when we came in the conference in 2012, uh, when we entered the Big 12 in 2012, that's easy to remember, uh, the, the biggest question was, were we going to be able to compete? Mm-hmm. We've now arrived. Are we going to be able to compete? And for a few years, it was, it was a bit of a struggle. I think since then, you've seen all of our recruiting 
uh, take a big step forward. And I mean, in all of our sports, I'm, we, we talk a lot about football and basketball, but sports like volleyball and soccer and women's basketball, I'm really excited about the progress they've made as well. So, you know, I think this is a place you can win. Uh, I think it's a place you can, you can compete for championships in every sport. Uh, we've got a lot of built-in advantages with our school, our academic reputation, uh, living in Fort Worth. Um, so I expect us to continue to win. That's, that's, uh, it's a goal of all of our sports to compete for championships. It's one of the things we set out to do. Um, but I can't affect what goes on on the court, in the field. Um, I can try to put our coaches in the best possible position, whether it's from facilities and ways in which we're enhancing our student-athlete experience. Um, and so my job, I'm, it, it, that never stops. And, and you know, pushing our team to, re, to continue to invest in those areas is, is probably my biggest, uh, biggest challenge going forward. Is it hard sometimes to remind people to view the program in a holistic way that it's not just football? I think people tend to base the health of an athletic department simply on the team's football record from the previous season. Uh, is it? Do you have to remind people, hey, look, volleyball, baseball, you know, we have these other sports that are also important and also valuable. You do. And, and look, it's no surprise that football is the most high profile of our sports. This and is Texas, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Texas. And, and, it, and it does a lot for the other sports and for mm-hmm. the university, frankly. Yeah. And uh, is a, is a huge uh, reason why um, why our conference uh, is as strong as it is. Um, but, you know, I we talk all the time on our staff about we're really here to do four things. And that's one, you know, provide our kids an unbelievable student-athlete experience. Two, um, help them grow into leaders and responsible uh, citizens. Three, help them graduate from TCU. And four, help them compete for championships. And that's for all of our sports. So football, I'm going to get... Uh, uh, we will be most closely evaluated on the success of that sport, but we we really don't lose sight of the fact we have to do that for all 525 student athletes in 21 sports. So um, they are all important. Right, absolutely. You mentioned Fort Worth earlier, and I was wondering just how much of an advantage that you view uh, just being here in Fort Worth. You're tapped into the larger ecosystem of the Metroplex, but you kind of do own this whole section kind of west of Arlington, I suppose, or yeah, even Tarrant County. Yeah, yeah, Tarrant County. So, you know, you're, you're, uh, you own the 817 area code. How much of an advantage do you view that as? Uh, it's big. You know, the, the Fort Worth Metroplex is one of the fastest growing metropolitan areas in the country. We have, a, there's a lot of talented high school students in the area. Yeah. Uh, we have found our niche, so to speak, with a lot of our with a lot of our sports. You know, we we want to be uh, Fort Worth town. We want to be uh, TCU. We want to be. Um, uh, we have a lot of initiatives from the Go Purple Fridays. To we have during football season and throughout other sports. We've got purple banners all around town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we take a lot of pride in being Fort Worth's team and in Fort Worth. Uh, because of the last two mayors, especially, has taken, um, you know, has has really adopted us as as such as well. So it's been a good relationship. Eamon Carter Stadium is undergoing some renovations right now. What was the purpose behind those renovations? What need did you see specifically that you thought, okay, we can tackle this with some renovations? Well, one, you know, we wanted to the the we felt like an expansion was appropriate to add more premium spaces. We, we felt that we were turning away a lot of potential customers and young donors, and uh, we had no movement off our wait list. We had those, those seem to be, um, they're very popular. We also wanted, frankly, a space that we could continue to invite uh, friends of the program back. So we wanted to use, have a space we could utilize more than six days a year, if you will. 
So there was kind of, there are a few different objectives with it. Um, you know, we, we didn't have a massive, and also there's a video board component included in there to, to uh, improve the game day experience. But, you know, we felt that, uh, you know, we're a small school. We're only 80,000 living alums and about 10,000 kids on campus total. So uh, having a 100,000-seat stadium didn't make a lot of sense for us. So it wasn't really about increasing the inventory rather than just the offering for those folks. And, and we felt like, you know, at this point with the television contracts being four or five years out, this was a this was a big time to show commitment and an investment into our football program, and that we're serious and we're here to stay. And this also helps fund some of the other sports as well, or, or put a little bit more money towards uh, the basketball program, volleyball, and other sports like we've mentioned in the past, right? Absolutely, it's not just a football project. Those revenues won't just go towards the football program; they go to support the entire department. So yeah, that I I, I always encourage uh, others to to make sure to make that known that it's. It's, uh, it is more than a football project, and we'll all benefit from it. Now, the weather hasn't exactly cooperated with all of those <laughs> construction plans. I think historically uh, rainy October, and that's really just continued into 2019. Where are, uh, where is the, what's the status of the construction right now, and are you hoping to be open and ready to go by August 31st? Yeah, well, uh, yeah, we are. It, October and November were two of the rainiest months we've had on record. Yeah. Uh, we follow that up with two very windy months, which is impossible to fly steel um, and to install steel w- when when you have a lot of wind. Um, most projects in the DFW Metroplex are 30 to 45 days behind, and we're kind of consistent with that. You know, we're, we're looking at all options. Turner Construction's done a nice job for us, mm-hmm. and they're they're helping us uh, drill down to football season, but we won't know exactly where we stand probably for another month or so. Uh, we're just they're installing steel right now, and I want them to just work away at it. We just had a, a couple other weather days, and so it's frustrating. But you know, I just I can't control Mother Nature, and no, no one can. Uh, so rather than um, stew over it, you know, we try to focus on. You know, even if we were to miss a game or two in there, that it's a it's a facility that will go on forever and. A couple of years later, people will forget that. But we're we're, we're optimistic. We just we've got a ways to go. Yeah, it's tough to keep that perspective sometimes when yeah. it's uh, when you're frustrated about things that you can't control, like weather. Yeah. So I I understand that. What's the state of the uh, facilities for the other sports, and uh, do you have any plans in the future to maybe uh, do some renovations there as well? Yeah, you know we'll we'll take a look once we complete the east side expansion for football. We'll take a look. We we do have some others. Um, that could use uh, can use some help. Uh, we will also probably be in discussion to add another sport at some point um, to make sure we're uh, staying on top of our gender equity um, with uh, Title IX. And so mm-hmm. you can imagine um, some baseball improvements and something for track, uh, which right now does not have a locker room facility that's adequate. Uh, so those are just a couple off the top of my head that we'll look at, and, and there might be a way to combine um, a few of these. So we don't have any specific plans. I wanted to just get through football first, um, and, and then we'll, we'll turn the page. Absolutely. So you stepped into a job where you had three, at least three, pretty established coaches in Gary Patterson, Jim Schlossnagel, and uh, and Jamie Dixon, guys that, uh, Jamie specifically being a, an alumni of TCU, um, and then the other guys haven't been here for a long time and had a great amount of success. Uh, how important was it for you to foster those relationships with those guys and really um, get to know them and, and understand where they were coming from? Oh, huge. And uh, those are what you call needle movers. You know, those guys <laughs> really do move the needle. Yeah. Uh, and, and fortunately, um, because of my experience working here, I, I knew all of them very well. Yeah. And, and so I was able to, um, 
to, to close that gap pretty pretty quickly. We, we've been close for many years, and and uh, Jamie, as a basketball guy, he and I hit it off pretty early when he got here. So um, they were all very supportive of me getting the job, which was huge. I mean, when you when the when the chancellor calls you up and says, um, you know, that those three in particular were supportive of you. That's that that, that meant a lot to me, and uh, and also you know I, it wasn't lost on me. They didn't have to do that, right? And, and so that. Um, I, I I think about that all the time, and I'm grateful that I had their support right out, right for, right uh, right out of the jump. Absolutely. So you guys trialed a program where you sold beer to the general uh, population public at uh, baseball games at the end of last season. How did that go? And uh, do you see that program expanding uh, maybe to football season this year in 2019? It went great. You're referring to the pilot program we yeah. did. And, and one of the things we wanted to do and that we're always looking at is is obviously improving our game day experience. And uh, we we thought that, you know, I think we did it with about nine games left in the mm-hmm. season last yeah. year. And and uh, it was a it was a big hit. You know, I was most concerned with what the operation looked like and our, whether there were going to be any behavior, um, a rise in behavior, um, in bad behavior rather. But uh, <laughs> there wasn't, and it, it went it went great. It's really not about the revenue. Uh, baseball, when you have 2,000, 2,500 people out there, it's not a it's not something that was a, a money grab by any means. It was a matter of supporting the team and enhancing the experience. You know, going forward, and we're looking at it right now for football. Um, with when you do something like that, there's, there's always there's a give and take, and so the take is that you would restrict um, in and out access, which right. is a big thing for our fans. And so I have a lot of fans that reach out to me and say that they're they want to they want to move forward with beer sales, and I remind them that it's not as easy as is uh, do people enjoy drinking beer. There's a there, there's something that comes with that, and that's restricting the in and out. And we have a big, robust donor parking program, so it might have an effect on that. So we're looking at all those things. And also, it's not completely my decision. I mean, I want to make sure I've got buy-in from university leadership and, and our um, – uh, our students and, and our and our donors. So we're looking at all of it, but um, we're also doing some research and benchmarking on the schools that have done that um, to see. And again, even with football, it's not something that's going to bring in millions of dollars a year. Uh, so we're looking at all of it. I can't um, I can't give you an answer right now, but um, I would I would imagine this is the way the trend is that ultimately one day it'll happen. I just don't know if it'll be next year. University of Texas tried it, didn't they? And uh, did you feel like they have had success from what you've seen or um, mixed results? What, what was your take on that, on, on them trying that? You know, I, Texas specifically, I couldn't give you the details. The first, mm-hmm. uh, the first in the conference was West Virginia in 2011. They were the first that adopted it, and I think it went well. Actually, you saw a number of the behavior-related incidents go way down. Um, because they eliminated the, you can't go to your your car anymore, and you know have ten shots at halftime, right. you know, and so right. and so it's I, I mean that, and so it's uh, I think we played down at Texas uh, last uh, last fall in September, and it's see I was actually watching observing our fans, and they seem to be enjoying it, so um, I, I haven't heard otherwise, and they've gone to all their venues, mm-hmm. um, so you know it. it Every school is different. We're a private school. We're a smaller school. We've got a um, um, our board is very. Um, I would want to make sure that our board of trustees are in, involved in the decision making process, or at least that they understand um, what the ramifications would be. And so we're we're studying that now. But 
Uh, back to your Texas question. I mean, I, I think they're I think they're doing fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure Chris would tell you if they weren't. Yeah. Or maybe not. Maybe. He well, they didn't. did it before he got there. So yeah. Uh, so he can't he can't lay claim to that. <laughs> <laughs> I won't let him. Not not all great ideas yeah. come from Chris. Um, <laughs> so uh, we're coming up on the Big Twelve basketball tournament. Uh, an exciting time in Kansas City. They do a great job hosting that every year. Big Twelve play hasn't been kind to uh, TCU necessarily this year, but with Kansas kind of having it a little bit of a down year, a little bit off. Feels like the the tournament's a little bit wide open. Do you have some uh, some high hopes maybe for TCU's chances there? I know you're a basketball guy, so yeah, so. you know, it, it's you know Kansas's run of 14 straight came to an end. You know, this you hate to say this, you know, it could have been the season of what ifs, but when you have you know four guys that that you kind of saw in the mix in your rotation and they're not there, mm-hmm. it puts a lot of pressure on on the six or seven guys that are playing significant minutes, and so. Um, you know, realistically, you just you want the guys to go out and compete every game. And you know, I hate looking too far ahead, but you know, I like uh, I like our team. I love our coaches. Um, I think you know, we've still got to play Texas Saturday, and so we're focused on that. I think we're a lot of tournament projections have us in, and so yeah, a, a win Saturday would be big. And then if you could if you could get in a roll in the Big Twelve, you never know what'll happen. So, right. but this is wide open. I mean, it, you know, good for Texas Tech or K State, whoever is gonna gonna win it this year. But it's it's Kansas's run finally came to an end, so uh, there might be a change into the guard. There you go. There you go. Maybe a shifting a little bit. Yeah. Speaking of guys, we'll be right in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of guys not being there, uh, injuries really hit the football team hard last year. Um, spring practice is going on. Exciting time uh, for football fans. You know how Texas is about about their football. Uh, looking to kind of rebound a little bit in in 2019. You have uh, high expectations. Are you excited uh, football season to get rolling in the fall? Definitely. And and um, especially you know the the most um, uh, most visible of those positions would be quarterback. And uh, we had a, a, cu- a couple injuries that uh, one was you know basically pre existing, but we have so much depth of that position now with. We've got so many talented kids coming back that I think if if uh, we can find a good solution or solutions for that position, I, I expect us to be very competitive next year. And and Gary's record off a off a down year, and I know a lot of teams wouldn't consider seven and six a down year, but by his standards, that certainly is, and that certainly we have higher uh, aspirations than that. His his uh, his record post post those years is pretty good. Mm-hmm. So um, so you know. Um, in Gary, we trust. Yeah, absolutely. When the uh, when the expectations are low, he'll surprise you mm-hmm. quite a bit, and uh, you know that he's going to lose his voice before September even rolls yeah, around. And, so. and he'll try to convince you that the expectations are low, but the, they're not by anyone's standards. And and uh, so now I, I expect our, our guys. I'm, uh, I was just out there and and saw what we're, what we're working with. We got a lot of speed and we got a lot of talent, and a lot of depth. So we'll we'll see what happens. Well, it's an exciting time here at TCU. ADJD, thank you so much for joining <laughs> us here in the, uh, the Market Scale Sports and Entertainment Podcast, and look forward to uh, continuing to watch what you're doing in the future. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure being here, Tyler. Huge thanks to TCU and to Jeremiah for joining us for this episode of Decision Makers. If you're interested in being featured on a future episode, reach out to me via email, tyler.kern at marketscale.com. That's tyler.kern, K-E-R-N, at marketscale.com, and we'd love to hear from you. We'll be back soon with another episode of Decision Makers, but until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thanks for listening.